Hello, listener. We are back with our second episode looking at Rupert Murdoch and the media landscape in Britain. My name's Corey Hazers, my partner of propaganda here is Steve Haynes. Hello. We left you not quite on a cliffhanger, uh, probably maybe peering over the side into a into a shelf, maybe, um, with Steve talking about uh, the fact that newspapers have to be businesses and make money to survive. And I suppose that sort of, uh, we, we talked in the last one about the legacy of Rupert Murdoch and uh, sort of trying to challenge the idea that this one man had sort of destroyed British democracy when probably British democracy is quite a good job at destroying itself. A lot of the changes that happened are reflected in the rise of the Murdoch press, like the decline of deference, rather than it just being about Rupert Murdoch. But I suppose something that you were starting to talk about towards the end of the first discussion also found that actually because of the profit motive of a lot of newspapers generally newspapers tend to reflect the opinion of the readers rather than shape the opinion of their readers are commercial ventures at the end of the day the entire their entire purpose that they exist is to make money um through from one form or another like 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 most organizations they might have a more top level higher kind of like goal or mission statement or brief or vision as to like the greater good that they can do do in society and it may be true and they may genuinely be working towards it or whatever but at the end of the day they need to turn a profit and like then this isn't again isn't even a new new thing so going back again to the 1920s lord rothermere founds the uh, daily mail founds the daily mail actually as a women's targeted paper um with the aim of kind of going oh actually if you look at the the newspapers you got the manchester guardian which is you know a very you know dull dry kind of left-wing thing you got the times which is the very formal very prim and proper uh um you know, newspaper of is it newspaper of Mark? Is that what is that what is that the, the term? The, the paper of record. I paper think. of record. That's the that's the term I'm looking for. Yeah, you got the Times, which is the paper of record. Like I can't, I can't remember the guy's name now, but uh, the gentleman who founded the um, uh, uh, founded the Telegraph as well, much like Rothermere, basically went. Now I want to make money. Like they weren't doing this as part of any major kind of like societal thing or 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 anything. It was a business, um, and they fundamentally were just trying to make as much money as possible. Um, and as a result of that, they the businesses grew, their subscriptions grew, their their readership grew, and they made more and more money. And over time, the notion became that because they had so much readership. Well, of course, they must be able to influence people, but you can just kind of look at things today and you can say, well, just because people like things are said doesn't necessarily in a paper doesn't mean people agree with it. And like that suggests that they they don't have the power 
that they that that people suggest and fundamentally they're probably following the herd rather than leading it uh, if we want to kind of use that kind of metaphor i mean that feels to me more more accurate really and again it's we, we've sort of talked a little bit about that sort of the mindset that Rupert Murdoch's a bit of a bogeyman and everything he's done is 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 terrible and the way he's able to to swing elections and that's I suppose it's partly seen as partly seen because of his support for Margaret Thatcher and then his support for Tony Blair and his um lack of support for Neil Kinnock um but I suppose it feels like to me the 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 sun endorsement of Tony Blair in 1995 was very much following the trend. You know, Black Wednesday has happened. The major government was dead in its arse. Yeah. It was pretty obvious that Blair was going to win. It would have been foolish at best for the sun to come out and say, maybe we should give John Major another five more years. Yeah, like it's the sort of thing which would genuinely would have made um, people go, "What are you on about? What what you cannot possibly think that that that's actually accurate," um, which is the sort of thing which potentially could cost you readers, because if with with newspapers, if it is the case that you know people read what they agree with, which they do, like people like lefties read left wing papers, right wing people read right wing papers for the most part, like. I mean, yeah. there's there's still always that 20, 30, 40% of people sure, sure. readers, which, which again is, is one of those, say, the 1992 election, say. Yep. Um, when that is seen as an election where the tabloid media were very, very influential, I think partly because it was quite close, um, partly because Labour were, I think, um, ahead in the polls for a lot of that election campaign. And then um, the John Major won at the end with the most votes ever got and partly because of a, a pretty sustained attack on Labour's tax bombshell which was a sort of marketing campaign at a Tory central office that a lot of the tabloid media sort of um, jumped on mm-hmm. except that again it, it's a significant amount of Sun readers still voted Labour uh, so Steve Richards has an interesting podcast on the 92 election and he sort of aligns the point, I think, a little bit in that he sort of says, well, yes, there's lots of evidence that actually didn't really change anyone's minds. However, um, and in, in the end, he sort of says it's um, it's almost more a psychological factor as much as anything else, that the effect it has on Neil Kinnock, and it, I suppose it must, mustn't it? it? It's the psychological factor of reading lots of negative things about you every day. And he talks about seeing Neil Kinnock um, at a party where the music comes on, he was almost limbering up, getting ready to dance and enjoy himself, and then felt he couldn't do that because he, it's, it's not the sort of image of a prime minister. And I suppose I can see how it, it it's that psychological edge of Blair feeling he needs to fly to Australia to meet Murdoch or Kinnock feeling he can't be himself because of tabloid pressure. That's not the same as hard power. You know, that's not the same as this is a bogeyman who can control you know who can change decisions in um Downing Street with a flick of the pen. Um it's a bit more vague than that. And it feels like the endorsement of 
Thatcher by Murdoch, just as the endorsement of Blair by Murdoch. It feels more a reflection of the times. You know, is you can't really imagine Rupert Murdoch in 1979 saying maybe we should give Jim Callaghan another chance. You know, no, like you, you absolutely can't. And it'd be it'll, it'll be really interesting actually to to a degree to see what the Sun does. Um, as an example, this this time round for the for the next general election, um, given you know we was but we were very much we we just said you know if you looked at Major's government in nineteen ninety seven, like there was no way that it looked like they were they were capable of continuing on. You were in a very similar station with the with the conservatives at the moment, um, and for the purposes of like continuing to be relevant and engaged with with people um and to reflect their their readers you would expect the sun to maybe not necessarily go all in on 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 endorsing Starmer or labor but the very release saying we don't you just do what works for you or, or something like something like that um finding some some way to not endorse the Tories. um and if they do do that then it's very much going to uh, a, a reflection of the fact that they are following the trend like the, this is just they are following what their readers are probably going to do anyway um and if they do come out the other uh, other way because we now live in much more ridiculously polarized times and you know big business sense goes out the window in the name of uh one uh, in, in the name of your proprietor's right wing right wing views you're going to they're going to risk potentially an awful awful lot like because it may if only just because fewer and fewer people read newspapers and if you are getting the sun or the times or whatever and you're you're trying to seriously tell people that oh you should back the Tories, people will get, could get turned off by that and suddenly their bang goes those subscriptions like 2017 wasn't that long ago and in that election, the paper still came out in favour of May, and yet it didn't produce a Tory majority. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you could end up with a similar sort of situation. Um, and I wonder if it won't. I wonder if it won't be so much a pro Sunak. Possibly, it could be an anti Starmer. But I think it's more likely to be on the sort of cultural war elements. I imagine it'll be over sort of net zero or immigration along the lines of what Rishi Sunak's been saying this week or what Swella Braverman's that, been saying this week. That's going to be actually really interesting though, because like a lot, for, for instance, you'd, you'd then see us potentially be a, see a break in between the right wing press because the Times is actually normally not as bad shit well uh, the 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 times though has got more right wing in the last couple of years so it's got rid of journalists like david aranovich and philip collins um who and it's not like they're massive in the left but you know they, they are definitely on the center left mm-hmm. and there's been a definite turn at the paper um i say this is i uh, i i buy a part if i buy a paper by the times my in-laws by the times so i read it fairly regularly and it's yeah. The Sunday Times has Rod Little as a co- columnist writing two or three columns every week. You know, this is not a paper which is. Uh, it, it, it's not trying to be 
uh, terribly objective at the moment. <laughs> and it's it's not it's not got a balanced range of right and left wing voices that it would have had say five or ten years ago. I think that's, that's an interesting little kind of point you you've got there, and this is kind of potentially drawing off the point somewhat uh, in in a way is like you've immediately kind of gone to oh look at look at look at the columnists who are or aren't there, but and and I can kind of see what you mean in terms of like the columnists reflect the view of the paper in a, in a lot of ways, but. The columnists are only a very small part of it, and in terms of the the columnists have nothing to do with the headlines. The columnists have nothing to do with any other aspect of it, um, other than those few inches that they write once a week or however often it is. Um, and uh, I, I do wonder to what extent we associate the leanings of a paper with the columnists rather than the actual editorial line. Um, which again is a completely separate discussion, arguably. Because like my 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 best example of this is comment is free on the Guardian. Any kind of wacky out there article which ends up on there, which you've read stuff on there that'll make you pull your hair out. I've read stuff on there yeah. that'll make you pull your hair out. But, but, but it's not a reflection of the Guardian. It's just the fact that they just let people write stuff. No, but you look at who the Guardian will have printing its papers. You know they will have Owen Jones, Polly Toynbee. Andrew Rawnsley, and they are all people on the left of the centre left. You know, the Times has um, Melanie Phillips, Rod Little, Matthew Paris. You know, they are on the on the right or the centre right, and they don't have. You, you're not going to find many centre left people given a voice on the editorial pages so i think and and it tends to be i think the pages that people will turn to first just going back to what we we're talking about before though I-, I can see a situation where the tabloid press try and drive a cultural wedge in around net zero issues around small boats issues the thing is it kind of echoes your point really i don't see that as being a an election winning strategy for the, I don't see it being an election winning strategy for the Tories, and I don't see, pardon me, I don't see a um, highlighting at the tabloid press also being an election winning, that helping the Tories win that election either, because you look at the polling uh, again. We'll, we'll probably talk much more about this at length, but essentially the polling is quite a split on Rishi Sunak's rather questionable decision to decide that maybe we don't need to fight climate change after all. I imagine that in an election. You know, what what what's going to be more important than deciding your vote? Is it the fact that the editorial in the Daily Mail says that, well, Keir Starmer might let people in on boats? Or is it that Liz Truss was Prime Minister, has made your mortgage go up several thousand pounds a year? Um, not, nothing actually works. Public services are continually on strike and the government refuses to meet with any of them. Well, indeed, yeah. It's... You know, there are thir- there have been thirteen years of Tory government, and can you name actually one single tangible achievement they've actually done that haven't screwed up? That to me feels like the more tangible factor. The other thing, I suppose, is and just in terms of actual direct influence, um, there was an academic. So one of the few academic papers on this was, I think, from the early noughties about Fox News, and suggested that between that maybe between. Um, three and twenty-eight percent of Fox viewers were persuaded to vote Republican. And bear in mind, the Fox 
viewing figure is about 1% of the American population. We are talking tiny amounts of viewers and okay, both America and Britain have stupid voting systems where, you know, if seven different people vote in a farm in Michigan, then suddenly we've got some spacey walk leader of the universe as opposed to Captain America. But that's a very I don't know. We've got bit... I'm just just trying to work work out whether uh whether Biden is Captain America or a space Ewok. I think I'm assuming the Ewoks are evil creatures because they sound quite evil. Oh, I keep on forgetting you've never watched Star Wars. I've watched the first one with you. I know, it, I know. It had Alec Guinness in it, but he wasn't playing George Smiley. So I would watch, interested, yeah. I would watch Star Wars if Alec Guinness actually played George Smiley in the trilogy. I think that'd be great. Um, actually, that would be quite entertaining. Um. <laughs> um, but you look at Fox and the... So everyone is now crediting in inverted uh, commas part of Murdoch's legacy was allowing Donald Trump to become the figure he is. However, Murdoch didn't want Trump to become the Republican nominee. Mm-hmm. He also didn't want John McCain to become the Republican nominee in 2008. He also didn't want Mitt Romney to become the Republican nominee in 2012. But I'd forgotten this until I read an article by an academic that's on the conversation that Fox were trying to push Rick Santorum in 2012. And I'd completely forgotten that Rick Santorum existed. So you can imagine how that was. It's like, yeah. what, it's like when it, I found out Ewoks were actually good. <laughs> Yeah, it, it it really says an awful lot that if if Murdoch and Fox News are meant to be this all-encompassing, powerful thing that's able to manipulate and pull the strings of of not just the Republican Party but the United States of America as a whole, that they can't even get the guy that Rupert Murdoch likes selected to be the candidate. That fact alone means that the influence of the likes of Fox News is massively overblown. Not just once, but three times. And also, there was a landslide in the house in 2018. <laughs> so, you know, the, the popular vote has gone Democrat in everything. Uh, everything long apart time. from. So, uh, everything since, I want to say, 04. I'm guessing Bush won the popular vote in 04. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. Um, just because just it was post on 11 and everything, yeah. Well, that's at least six out of the last seven, seven yeah. out of the last eight. Um, and actually, in terms of the Fox News, Roger Ailes, who was the, a massively pivotal, influential figure in Fox News, he's very much um, a Nixonian figure. You know, he's one of these people that was working for Richard Nixon in the 60s and 70s, like Dick Cheney like Donald Rumsfeld, like Pat Buchanan. Like it turns out, most of the major right-wing bastards over the past 50 years, basically all of them work for Richard Nixon. He, he collected them. Like I collect novels by Joseph Cannon. <laughs> so, and, and again, that's a very different... Um, yeah, as you say, it's, it, it, it's, it's this assumption that people can click their fingers and make things happen as opposed to and that somehow equally the the left is hampered by the media bias and that's what we don't win elections and actually 
generally because people don't agree with them and didn't think their ideas were very good and um and actually they have contempt for what people like Tony Blair were trying to do and say well actually the media is there it is a beast you sort of have to try and tame and control and actually it's much derided now but what New Labour is trying to do with the media in terms of spin it and control it makes a bit more sense in that context especially when you think about the fact that 24 hour news is first coming in yeah and that led to lots of you know it was a very mixed bag yeah and throwing the the the, the birth of social media on the top of it and you go from the news being a a thing that happens at like at seven o'clock in the morning and then what nine o'clock at night or whatever um and suddenly it becomes an all-day affair. Everything is news. Everybody's turned on and connected to the news at all times. Yeah, it, I, I, I'll be honest. I, you could have probably swapped out Blair for any other Labour leader or any other Conservative leader at that, that, that kind of point in time. Um and they would have probably still ended up trying to do the same thing, maybe not in the same way, maybe not as successfully, maybe not as forcefully, um, but they certainly would have tried to do the same thing because it was such a drastic shift that you needed to change how you focused and did things, otherwise you were going to be made mincemeat. Um, that is a nice segue, I think, isn't it, onto the final point of discussion about modern media moguls. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to this one. Uh, the third one, if you want to listen straight away, it's probably already going to be in the Patreon feed, which is patreon.com forward slash not enough champagne. If you want to get in touch with us about other topics we could talk about, I'm at Paperback Rioter. Uh, I'm Acoustic Radical. Happy plotting. <laughs>